Welcome to the Royal Priesthood. In this episode, we'll be discussing the topic of forgiveness. I want to start with just an icebreaker, multiple choice question. So picture this. You are walking down a hallway and your hands are completely full with stuff you're carrying. Someone bumps you in the hallway, causing you to lose balance and fall. And everything you were carrying is scattered across the ground. That person looks at you, sees all your stuff on the ground, and continues walking away. How do you respond? A. Do you ignore the person, pick up your stuff, and continue on? B. Say something sarcastic like, Hey, a little help here. C. Stand up and push the other person in retaliation, or D, other? (laughs) Answering that question can kind of give you a good gauge on where you are (laughs) in your standard of forgiveness. Amen. We'll read a few scriptures here. The first one's going to be from Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Oh, and to be transparent about the icebreaker, I think I would say something sarcastic, but still pick up my stuff and and move on. Try to forgive them, but rest assured, my flesh will will definitely want to retaliate. Amen. Just being real. All right. So Colossians chapter three, verse 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Amen. Next scripture will be Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. It's definitely good to keep that in mind. Next scripture will be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Amen. See a trend here. The next scripture will be 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's so good. I know in the mornings when I have my time with God, you know, and I'm asking him for his forgiveness, I always ask him to purify me. I love that word, just purify me from the inside out. Amen. Two more scriptures. Um, Next one's going to be Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. 
It says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Amen. And the last scripture here, before we go into the devotion, is from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. It says, When they came to a place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day and waking us up this morning. Lord, I just ask that your word pierces our hearts, God, and opens up our minds so that we can draw closer to you and our relationship. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus often told people, your sins are forgiven. What a stunning statement. Forgiveness is powerful. Unforgiveness can also be powerful. You see, when we refuse to forgive those who have wronged us, we ironically and strongly hurt ourselves. When you refuse to forgive, you are giving the person who struck you once the privilege of hurting you all over again in your memory. Beyond the healing that forgiving someone who wronged us brings to our hearts, it is also commanded in Scripture. You know, we have been forgiven. You know, in Colossians, it says, forgive because you've been forgiven. In Genesis 50, it talks about how forgiveness restores broken relationships. In Luke 7, it talks about how forgiveness is a path to love. In Luke 5, talks about how forgiveness precedes healing. It's so good. And even Leviticus 19, you know, God tells us to forgive instead of seeking revenge or bearing a grudge. So just ask yourself today, you know, why do you think it is difficult to forgive those who hurt you? Why do you think it is so difficult to forgive those who hurt you? You see, forgiveness is something all of us want to receive, but most of us hesitate to give. Jesus makes it clear, however, that we can't have it without giving it. Forgiveness flows two ways. Forgiveness is at the core of emotional well-being. It is fair to say that unforgiving people are emotionally sick. Their bitterness is a disease of the spirit. And check this out. It is inevitable that the unforgiving person eventually will experience physical illness as well. See, anger causes surges of adrenaline and secretes other powerful chemicals that attack the body. The stress we carry when we refuse to give or receive forgiveness affects our hearts, our minds and our bodies. To make matters worse, both rage 
and depression contribute to obsessive behaviors such as overeating, being a workaholic, overspending, and even addictions to pornography and and mood-altering drugs. We cannot rid ourselves of emotional pain and its side effects unless we are willing to forgive. You see, unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward because it locks us in a time machine, so to speak, frozen on the exact moment when a particular offense occurred. Fear of further injury makes us unwilling to move to new levels of relationship, not only with those who have hurt us, but with anyone who represents a similar threat. Furthermore, if we allow unforgiveness to continue, we are likely to experience depression, bitterness, or both. Yet more important than any of these concerns is the most serious consideration of all. And that is the spiritual consequence of unforgiveness. And that consequence is alienation from God. So knowing some of the side effects of unforgiveness, why do we still bottle up bitterness towards someone? Knowing some of the side effects of unforgiveness, why do we still bottle up bitterness towards someone? Some of the greatest obstacles to forgiveness are the misconceptions about what it is. You see, realizing what forgiveness is not may make it easier to understand. So let's take a look here. So forgiveness is not condoning the behavior. To forgive is not saying, "Eh, what you did is okay. No, no, no. It is saying the consequences of your behavior belong to God, not to me. You see, when we forgive, we transfer the person from our system of justice to God's. To forgive is to recognize that the wrong done against us is a debt of sin, and all sin is against God. Therefore, in forgiving, we transfer the debt from our ledger of accounts to God's leaving all repayment in his hands. Amen. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. You see, it would be foolish to erase from our minds some of the wrongs done to us. If we were to do so, we would never learn from our experiences and would walk right back into the same or a similar situation only to face the same disappointments. What can eventually be forgotten are the raw emotions associated with the event. And when we we forgive, the terrible memories and feelings gradually diminish. So forgiveness is not condoning the behavior. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. And forgiveness is not easy. Forgiving is difficult enough when it involves a one-time transgression. 
It verges on the impossible when the offense is ongoing. Such circumstances require an attitude of forgiveness, not simply an act of forgiveness, an attitude of forgiveness. You know, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. You can find that in the book of Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. You see, think about the mathematics of that statement. Can you imagine forgiving anyone, even for a minor offense, 490 times? I mean, imagine having a neighborhood kid ride his bike alongside your car and leaving a scratch on your car every day of the week for 70 weeks. That's one year, four months, and two weeks. Man. You see, Jesus is asking us to do something that is humanly impossible. In and of ourselves, we don't have enough forgiveness to go around. But God does. Amen. So when our limited resources run out and we are unable to forgive, we can ask him to forgive others through us. In doing so, we take one more step of obedience and allow ourselves to become a channel of God's grace. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to identify someone you want to forgive and get them clearly in your mind right now. It can be someone living or deceased, someone you have not seen in years, or someone you see every day. Now get out a sheet of paper and I want you to write their name on the top of the page. Now, fill the page with all of the thoughts, feelings, judgments, and attitudes you have about them. For example, were they critical, sarcastic, mean, dishonest, etc.? What are their character flaws as you see them? I want you to take your time with this and don't leave anything out. You can be as picky and as unmerciful as you like. No one will see this piece of paper but you. You see, it's painful and maybe you would rather forget it. However, If you are remembering it right now, it is still there inside you, festering away, and maybe has been there for a long time. It needs to be put on that paper where the light of your awareness can shine on it. If you see it and acknowledge it, you can consciously let it go. Trying not to look at it will only keep it around longer. If you have chosen a person to forgive, please take a moment to realize that you have taken a 
big step in healing your relationship with him or her. You see, you and I do not usually take the time to look at all the disagreeable things we have to say about certain people. This exercise will not degrade or shame you. On the contrary, it will release light into an area of your consciousness that has been in the shadows. Remember that the act of observing is the first step toward understanding. Just take a few minutes to write. And as you look over what you have written, see if you have left anything out. Add whatever is necessary before continuing. And when you've finished, I want you to write the statement and everything else. See, writing that, those three words, and everything else. It signifies you are including anything you may remember in the future. Let us pray. Here, Lord, is the debt. Here's how they wronged me. Here's what they did. I know you know all about it already, but now you take it from me. I'm handing it to you. The debt is real. They owe it, but I'm handing it over to you. It's yours. You can choose to do with it as you please. It's not mine to collect on anymore. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. See, then you give it to the one who reaches out to take it from you with his nail-scarred hands. A hand that was torn and bloodied as he forgave you. The debt is no longer in your hands but the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. The loss is still real. The wound is real. But as you dust your hands off, newly emptied hands, you breathe deeply with the release of knowing you no longer carry it around. And you're not going to try to collect on it somewhere down the road. Now it's time to tear that paper up and let it go. You've given it to God. You want to put it in a fire, put it through a shredder, tear it to a million pieces. It's no longer yours to carry. It's in God's hands now. Amen.